Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. My name is, is Marlon Yearwood and I'm the pastor here at the Way City Church. One of our values at the Way City Church, we have many transformative biblical teachings, is one of our values. Uh, godly families, kingdom diversity, genuine discipleship effective outreach and evangelism, but one of them is uh, spirit-led worship and prayer. And when we say spirit-led worship and prayer, we're not just speaking about the, the song, the songs, but we're speaking about the entire service. And as I was, as I was back there today, um, so I have my, my notes here and I prepared today for um, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, but as I was back there today, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was moving me in a different direction. Um, so, production team, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm not really. But, um, so, we, I felt like, and again, I didn't prepare for, for what we're going to speak about today. But, but I prepared for Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Uh, and we were going to speak about the temptation of, of, uh, of Jesus. But I just, I just felt... Um, as I was back there, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was, was saying um, Mark chapter 5. Amen. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 5 and we're going to see what happens. Amen? <laughs> so so Mark, Mark chapter 5, we're going we're gonna to go there. But again, you know, um, before we turn there and as the production guys are getting on the screen, I want you to understand that um, being led by the Spirit is important. Amen. You know, when I prepare, I prepare well. You know, and someone once said, you know, I prepare as though there is no Holy Spirit. But when I get up to speak, I get up to speak as though there is nothing but the Holy Spirit. So, um, in being led by the Spirit, which is one of our values, uh, sometimes the Spirit is going to move us in different directions and we need to flow with the Spirit uh, and not stick to our own plans. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So, Mark chapter 5. And we're going to go uh, verse, verse 1 through 20, but we're going to, we're going to start with uh, verses 1 through 10, uh, and we'll pause there, and then we'll, we'll get the next uh, 10 verses after that. Mark chapter 5, let me find it here. To the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. 
I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And we're going to pause there for a moment. Mark chapter 5. We have a man that is living within the tombs. We've been speaking about love and worship. And today, I was going to speak to you about, again, the, the temptation of Jesus when Satan came to him and was tempting him. But I'm going to show you some of the strategies and tactics of, of the enemy that we face. And by the way, it's important that you understand that many Christians don't even believe that there is a, a devil. They believe that it is uh, fiction. They, 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 don't, they don't believe, many Christians don't believe in, in the demonic. And it's sad. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is deception. And if he can make you believe that he does not exist, then you will be ignorant of his devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11, the Apostle Paul speaks about, lest Satan should take advantage of me or of us, I was not ignorant of his schemes or, or, or of his devices. So when you're ignorant of the devices of the enemy, he's able to work and he's able to work freely in your ignorance. So in Mark chapter 5, there is, there is a man... And we find this man, verse 2, living in the tombs. Now a tomb represents a place for the dead, not a place for the living. A tomb represents a place for the dead, not a place for the living. And yet we find a man that is alive, but he finds great comfort among the dead in tombs. A tomb represents a, a place of safety for a dead body, right? It covers the, the body and represents a place of safety. And here's a man who, who felt somewhat safe in dark places, but there's something obviously, obviously wrong with that. We also know that every tomb or grave is, is marked with some kind of plaque, with something written on it. And I, and I wonder what was, what was written on this man. I wonder what was spoken over him. As a child, I wonder what was said of him. But he finds himself in the tombs finding great comfort. Verse, verse 3. So, so here's a man, again, he's, he's in the tombs, 
And then in, in verse 3, we see that he's, he's free from, from chains, completely free, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So here's a man where he's completely free from chains, right? He has this supernatural strength. Chains can't hold him or bind him. He's completely free, right? So this man could be anywhere in the world where he chooses to be. They've, they've tried to, to bind him in the past, and the chains couldn't hold him. So he's completely, completely free. He cannot be bound, naturally speaking. He cannot be bound, physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, he's bound. He could be anywhere. He could travel the world. Yet he's chosen a tomb. So we see that he could not be bound again. There's also supernatural uh, strength that, that comes from uh, uh, certain um, demonic issues. But again, he's free from change, but spiritually he's bound. Do you guys know how they used to um, train elephants back in the day? Back in the day? What they would do is a, a baby elephant, they would put a, um, a chain around his ankle, right? And the elephant would walk, 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 and then boom, he'll be restrained by the chain on his ankle. And he would try again over and over and over and over again, and boom, he'll be restrained by the chain on his ankle. And he knew that he could never get past a certain point because of the chain on his ankle. But that baby elephant becomes an adult, full-grown, strongest animal alive. And they would put that same chain on that adult elephant's ankle, and that elephant would do this. He would walk, and he would stop. And he has no idea that if he just took one step, he would burst that chain like a piece of thread. But now there's been a stronghold that's been created in the mind. And he's said to himself, I will never be able to get past this point, ever. And so he's restricted and he's restrained. And that's how they, how, how they used to train them. So the, the stronghold, so here's a man again, he's completely free, but yet he's spiritually, he's bound. And he's in chains, and he said, I will never be able to get past a certain point. I'll never be able to be free. I'm always going to be in this state of darkness and of, and of bondage. Verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles <clears throat> and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces neither could anyone tame him neither could anyone tame him something that that i think we we fail to do, and uh, something, something that we do often is we try to use uh, natural remedies to fix spiritual problems. 
So, so they tried to, they didn't know how to handle this guy, so they put a chain on him. That was their, that was their way of, of, of dealing with him. Let's put a chain on him. But you cannot use natural means to deal with spiritual problems. And I think that even, even the church as a whole, we've become so naturally and carnally minded about everything. There, there are things that are natural, and there are things that are spiritual. And spiritual issues need to be dealt with spiritually, not naturally. Verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. I've spoken from Mark chapter 5 before. And, and I remember when I would speak to my youth and, and young adults in Mark chapter 5, whenever I would speak of Mark chapter 5, and I'll get to this verse, I would say to them, do any of you guys uh, know anyone in your schools that cut themselves with stones? And 80% of the room, hands, hands would go up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know someone who does that. Here's a man who was cutting himself with stones. Why? When when you cut yourself with stones, it's a it's a pain that you can control. It's a pain that, that you have authority over and is a distraction from a deeper pain. There's, there's something going on on the inside of you internally that you have absolutely no power or control over. The moment that you cut yourself with a stone and you begin to bleed, you can attend to the wound that you can see. And it distracts you from the deeper issue, the deeper problem. And here's something that you can see and something that you can attend to. So it, it always stems from a, a, a deeper place of, of hurt and brokenness and pain. Here's a pain internally that I cannot control, but this I can control. This I can attend to. This. And it's a distraction, just like Drugs and other things are a distraction from real problems. Something's going on internally. And this person, they begin to self-destruct. And they cut themselves with stones. Here's a man, and the Bible says that he was, he was crying out. but no one heard him. Have you ever felt like you've been crying out and no one's paying attention? That no one's listening? That no one's heard you? This is, this is a real man. I want you to understand this. This is a real man with, with, with real issues. Again, he was strong physically, but he was weak spiritually. 
And here's a man that was crying out day and night, the Bible says. Like he's screaming for help. He's crying out day and night. But no one hears him. No one hears his cries. No one sees his pain. Until Jesus shows up. Amen? No one. Day and night this man's crying out. No one sees him and no one hears him until Jesus shows up. But something that you, always, that you also have to understand is this man, he's, he's crying out in, in remote places. So he's crying out in a place where no one can help him. And as a, as a church, right, it's, it's important that when we, when we need help, we, we, we cry out or we speak or, we, or we, we ask the church, we ask the body for help. That we, that we speak in environments where people can actually help us. Right? He's, he's crying out, but he's in a remote place. There's no one there. He's alone. Right? So he's, he's crying out, but he's crying out in the wrong place. He's in a remote place crying out. And that's exactly what Satan likes to do. He likes to distract us and he likes to isolate us. He wants to isolate. Because when you're isolated and you're away from fellowship and community and, 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 and the church and brothers and sisters, no one can hear you and no one can help you. So what's in the dark needs to come to the light. And it comes from you being a part of community. And you saying, hey brother, would you, would you pray for me? I'm going through this. And God loves that. And Satan hates that. So he's crying out. They're in remote places. And, and no, one, no one can hear him and no one can help him. He's cutting himself with stones. And then verse number six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. I love it. So Jesus comes to a place of darkness and he brings the light. And here's a man that's lived in darkness for a very long time. And for the first time, he sees a glimpse of light. For the first time, he sees a glimpse of hope. And he runs to it. He, he, he bolts for Jesus. He can see there's, there's something about Jesus. There's, there's light in Jesus. And he runs. To, he doesn't walk. He runs to Jesus. And the Bible says he worships him. Now, a couple of things. And I mentioned this verse uh, briefly a couple of weeks ago. Um, the worship, obviously, was not in spirit and in truth. But it's interesting that the Bible says that he worshipped him. His ankles, spiritually speaking, were bound, but his hands were in worship. And a couple ways that could go, that could be a, a great thing, a good thing. Man, I worship the Lord in every circumstance, right? Praise God. But also, it is possible for you to worship Him, I praise you, I love you, and be bound. 
Don't think because, because you worship Him, because you bow before Him, or because you lift up your hands, that you are walking in freedom. Here's a man who, who worshipped Him, but yet he was bound. Yet he was bound. And here's a man who, who needed freedom, but he worshipped God with an unclean spirit. Verse 7, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So, so we see uh, there's an issue here. What's the issue? Here's a man, he's seen Jesus. He's, he ran to Jesus. When he gets to Jesus, he's trying to reject Jesus. He's trying to push Jesus away. What's going on here? He, he, he sees Jesus. He wants help. He runs to Jesus. But when he gets there, he tries to push him away and says, get away from me. What have I to do with you? And what has happened in this man is, is there's, there's a part of this man that, that sees hope. The, the, the natural part of the man, he sees hope. This man's not, not completely, completely demon-possessed. He is, but he sees, he sees hope, and he runs to Jesus. The moment that he gets to Jesus, though, the spirit on the inside of him reacts. And it's no longer the man speaking, but it's the spirit speaking that says, Go. He gets to Jesus, help is available, but now he's like, get away, because fear hits him. He's, he's afraid, and the spirit doesn't want to leave. So on the inside, he wanted help, but the evil spirit was rejecting Jesus. For he said to him, verse 8, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. So, the spirit begins to speak, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And legion is a, is a military uh, term. And do you know how many that represents? Excellent. 6,000. So here is a man. And this man, this one man has 6,000. At least 6,000 spirits in him. No wonder he's acting the way he is. No wonder he's, he's in the tombs and cutting himself. And He has 6,000. And let me also say this to you. There's no individual that just has one problem. Problems attract problems and spirits attract spirits. This man had 
6,000 within him that was, that was living and dwelling on the inside of this man. 6,000. Think of, think of the torment that this man was going through. The torment. Mind, body, soul. The, the destruction, the hopelessness. But Jesus, amen? Can we say, but Jesus? Go ahead, say it, but Jesus. Amen. Verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain, so all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So, so we receive a, a, a couple um, revelations here um, that we know to be true because, because this is written. So we know that um, from the text, right? And, and, you know, and maybe this is written, you know, again, to give us revelation. But we know from the text that then animals too can be demon-possessed. Amen. Not my, not my word, right? But, but that's what the word here says, right? I could care less whether they could be demon-possessed or not. I, I could care less. But the word says that that's what happened. So that is the truth. Whether that's hard for you to understand or not, it's the truth. Amen? Okay, all right, good. So... Um, so the demons so they always want a place to go evil spirits always want a place to go just like how the Holy Spirit desires to live in you and, and use you for his purpose and for his glory so do evil spirits they, they seek bodies and they seek places to go. And their desire is to use you for their purpose. This is, this, this is real. And, and at the Way City Church, by the way, um, we will speak about these things. We, we will speak about these things. I'm, I'm just going to pause here for, for a moment. You know, I, I, um, I came from a, you know, a very uh, solid church in the UK. You know, I was born again, came to faith at 19 years old. Um, and, and I came from, from a church that, um, that believed the entire Bible um, and, and spoke from the entire Bible. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, since I've been in America for the 13, 14 years that I've been here, um, I have very rarely, very, very, very rarely been in any church that's spoken about the demonic. Well, why? I'm curious as, as to why. In the 14 years that I've been here, I have very, very rarely Heard, heard anyone speak 
of the demonic and of how how this stuff works. So it's something that we that we will uh, speak about. And and I've heard this, you know, I've heard, um, uh, you know, uh, oh, we don't speak about the devil because we don't want to glor- uh, glorify him. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't worship him. I worship God. Right? But you being ignorant of his devices will cause you to be in bondage. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we were not ignorant of his devices. So, so, so your ignorance serves him well. So, so I will speak of him to expose him, not to glorify him, but to expose him and to glorify God. Amen? So, back to the text. So we have <clears throat> these spirits that, that leave this man and they ask for permission again because, because they seek bodies to inhabit. They, they want to be in a body. So they say, can we, you know, can we at least go to the pigs? Right? And Jesus is like, sure. Again, why he said that? I don't know. Maybe he said that for us to have the account that we would know that animals can be possessed. Maybe that's the only reason. Well, there could be another reason. I don't know. But because Jesus said that and because it happened, now we know that animals can be demon-possessed. So, and at once, verse 13, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. One of two things happened here. One of two things. Either the pigs would rather take their own lives than have an unclean spirit living on the inside of them. So they ran and drowned themselves because they'd rather take their own life than have an unclean spirit living on the inside of them and tormenting them. Or the evil spirit on the inside of the pigs drove them to do that. Either way, the result was the same. Either way, the result was the same. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his purpose. John 10.10. That's, that's, his, that's his purpose. Verse 14. So those who, who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Amen? Amen. And they were afraid. Verse 15 again. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Jesus completely delivered this man and completely set him free. The Bible says that he was seated. He was clothed. And he was in his right mind. And when they saw him, 
They could probably hardly recognize him. And it was, it, was, it, it, it was terrifying for them to see him in his right mind. They'd always seen him distorted. And to see this man in his right mind, they were afraid. And what happened, the, the transformation in his life. But Jesus completely delivered him and completely set him free. And he's the only one who can. But they were afraid. They were afraid of the power of God. They were afraid of, of, of what he did. They were, they were afraid. It's like, man, why were you afraid? This man is, is free. But they, they feared that which they did not know or understand. Verse 16, And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. So their response to Jesus is, uh, you got to go. Their response is, uh, you? you? You definitely have to, have to leave this place. That's, that's the response of the world. That's the response of, of the people. That's how they respond to this man being delivered and set free. They say, you got to go. Perhaps some of those uh, spirits that left him were in them. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> Perhaps. I, I don't know. That's the, uh, just my own personal uh, statement right there. Um, verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him, that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home. Go back home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. He got into the boat. Here's a man and he pleads with Jesus. He says, Jesus, I just want to, I just want to be with you. Can I just, and Jesus says, he says, no. He says, I want you to go home and I want you to tell your friends. Here's the thing, there are people who, um, this man's been out of community for a very long time. This man may have a family, I don't know. And Jesus says, I want you to go back to those people and, and show them, show them what I've done for you. Let them see you in your right mind and clothed. Let them, let them see. Let this be a witness. These people, maybe they forgot about you. They wrote you off. He's done. There's no hope for him. I want these people to see. This man, he just wanted to be with Jesus and, and follow him. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go home. And he does. And the Bible says that he proclaims in the Decapolis 
which means, which represents ten cities. This man became a great missionary, a great evangelist. And this man goes to the Decapolis, which is the ten nearby cities. And he preaches there, Jesus and his testimony. And that's how he, that's how he responds to being delivered and set free and transformed by Jesus. Jesus didn't tell him to go to the Decapolis. That was just the natural response. So my question for you, maybe there are some in this place this morning that are bound. There are no shackles that we can see with the natural eye this morning. Nothing that you can detect with a microscope. But spiritually speaking, there is bondage and chains that no one else sees but you yourself know. There is freedom for you. There is hope for you in Jesus. There's, there's a reason why this word was spoken today. And it was spoken for you. So there is, there is hope and there is freedom for you. And it's found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And for you who, maybe you say, right now by the grace of God, I'm walking in complete freedom. Amen. What's your response to that though? How do you, how do you respond to the freedom that you have? Because your natural response to being free is to tell people about freedom. And it's to share your story with others about what God has done in you. That is the natural response of you walking in freedom. So, so for some, there may be bondage this morning and there is hope and there is freedom for you. But for others, you may be free. But I want to I wanna remind you, what are you doing with your freedom? Who are you telling about your freedom? Oh yeah, brother, I'm free, I'm free. Okay, tell someone. Tell someone what he's done. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me, please? And bow your heads. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and just ponder the word that was spoken to you today, for you today. Ponder that word. Meditate upon the word that you heard. We're going to move on 
in just a moment, but I want you to take this time. What is the Spirit saying to you this morning? What is the Spirit saying to you? Maybe there's some things that's, that's been in the dark that you've been hiding. That, that you yourself, you've been hiding it because you're ashamed of it. And it stays in the darkness. And it festers and it grows and it holds you. And you can't break free from it. My advice to you today is to confess it. Confess it before Him now. But also, you may have to confess it before a brother or a sister in Christ. When we're done today after the service, there will be a couple of people up here to pray with you. And I want you to come forward and I want you to receive prayer for whatever you need prayer for. That's, that's a part of you stepping out of the tomb and saying, I'm stepping into the light. And by faith, as you do that, as you come forward for prayer, by faith, I believe that Jesus Christ will shed light. That deliverance and freedom will come. Father, in the, name, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for today. Father, I thank you for Mark chapter 5. I thank you, Lord, that it is rich. It is powerful. Thank you that it is a word that is for us. It is a word that is powerful. And Father, I pray that those in this room, because I know there are some, I know there are many, those in this room who are bound, spiritually speaking, they they worship you. They worship you. Physically, they worship you with their actions and with their words, but spiritually, they are bound. Father, I pray for their freedom this morning. Father, I pray for their freedom this morning. Father, I in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who are bound. And Father, I thank you that when the light comes, the darkness has to flee. So right now, let your word go forth and penetrate dark places. And let light fill each and every mind and each and every heart and each and every life right now. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And Father, we do come against every work of darkness in this place. Father, we do come against all of the schemes of the wicked one. We come against bondage. And Father, we thank you for freedom. Jesus, may they see you this morning. May you, may they know you this morning. And Father, I pray for anyone in this place that does not know you. There has never been an individual that has not known you, that walked in freedom. So any individual in this place this morning that does not know you, 
Father, I pray that they would surrender completely to you, that they would understand that they are a sinner, that they are bound to the flesh, that they are bound to darkness. And you are the one that transforms and changes us from darkness into your glorious light. Father, may they understand that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die specifically for them, to meet them in their tomb, to deliver them, to bring them out, to set them free. Father, may we acknowledge our sin, may we acknowledge our weakness, may we acknowledge our bondage this morning, may we, may we acknowledge it. And may we call upon you, may we run to you, may we come to you. And you will not cast out by no means those who call upon you and those who come to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you first came to us. That you found us, you met us in the tomb. You met us in that place. May we see you this morning. May we see you. May we see you. May we see you. And may we respond to your grace and to your love. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you, great Savior. We thank you. We thank you for freedom. And we thank you for a boldness, even this week, to proclaim, not in the Decapolis, but to proclaim in Prince William County, to proclaim in Fairfax County, to proclaim in DC, in this region, to proclaim in Woodbridge, to proclaim in Stonebridge, of your goodness, of your grace, and of your mercy. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.